Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be studying verses 7 through 16. Last week we started the transition in our study of the book of Ephesians from understanding the gospel to now living out the gospel. We moved from the first three chapters that were theological in nature to the last three chapters that are practical in nature. We studied verse, the first six verses of chapter four last week because it's the first topic that Paul chose to dive into as he was challenging us to live the gospel out. He said, the, the first thing you need to worry about is living in unity with other believers. We learned that, that a Christian who's serious about living out the gospel will also be serious about keeping the unity in the church through demonstrating Christ-like conduct. Now Paul transitions into a new theme in verse 7, and that's signaled by the conjunction that the verse starts with. Look at verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. What Paul is doing, he's moving from the theme in verses 1 through 6 of what Christians have in common to now how Christians inside of a local body or a local church actually have diversity. They differ in giftedness from each other. And there's an important point to be made here that diversity in the church isn't meant to threaten the unity of the church. It's actually meant to strengthen the unity of the church. As all the differing members of the church are working together for the same purpose, everybody gets stronger. Now I want you to look all the way down to the last verses of our, of our text this morning by way of preview, and that's verse 16. It has the same theme as verse 7. Paul says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What we have are two verses. The beginning and the end of a text, they serve as brackets. They serve as bookends, what they would call an inclusio. The text ends how it began. And it gives us the main theme of our passage, which serves as the title of my message this morning, and it's this. Every member a minister. The idea of members being ministers is becoming more and more countercultural. When our culture thinks of ministers in the church, they don't think of members. They think of the ones standing behind the pulpit. They think of the ones leading the church. And that thinking is dangerous because over time it has led to a very consumer-driven Christianity where everybody comes into a sanctuary on Sunday, bask in the giftedness of the ones ministering on the platform, then they go home for the week, live their lives, come back the next Sunday and do it all over again. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of Christianity doesn't resemble the idea of a church member being a minister. That's more like a minister that consumes. That's more like treating the church like a buffet, right? You, you go through the line, you get what you want, you leave what you don't want, you eat food that someone else cooked for you, and then you leave the dishes for somebody else to wash for you. Hey, the truth is that we're going to discover in this text, the truths that we will learn in this passage really fly in the face of consumer Christianity. Because here's a summary of what Paul's going to teach us, and I want you to grab hold of this statement I want you to grab hold of this summary of the text. Because everybody is somebody in the body. Everybody should be doing something for the body. I want that to sink in early. 
We're going to flesh out some truths based on that statement. But if I had to close the text today and I had to start the invitation right now, you have everything you need to know about this text. Everybody is somebody in the body. And that means everybody should be doing something for the body. I like how one church advertised who their ministers were. On their church sign, beside the, the name, the word ministers, they didn't have the name of the pastor. They didn't have the name of the pastoral staff members. They wrote this on their church sign, ministers. Then they wrote this, the entire congregation. I like that. If God has led you to become a member of this body, the Fellowship Baptist Church, you are called by God on the authority of this text to be a minister to it. And when every member takes that seriously, when every member becomes a minister, the entire church is strengthened. It's edified and it's built up. So we study the text. I'm going to flesh out three major truths that I think will help you live out the gospel by becoming a minister in your church. Now, I need to preface this because if you're thinking, oh, great, I'm already involved in ministry. This must be for people that aren't involved. No, we're going to touch a lot on people that are already involved in ministry, making sure that we're connecting our service to the right purpose and we have the right heart in doing so. Here's the first truth. Members are gifted for ministry. Would you look at verse 7 through verse 10 with me? But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now Paul's going to go back to a, a, a psalm, Psalm 68, and quote a psalm. Wherefore, he saith, now this is Psalm 68, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now the next two verses are going to be in parentheses because Paul is going to paraphrase what he wants to draw from Psalm 68. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. Let's study for a second. Verse 7 makes it clear. That if you're a member of a body, a local church, that you are given a gift and you are given the grace with which to minister that gift to your church. Now notice who's the giver of the gift according to verse 7. Christ. So, so Paul goes on to teach us. Then it, it, by, by referencing Psalm 68 and by, by, by paraphrasing his thoughts in verse 9 and 10, he goes on to teach us the length that Christ went in his descension to pay the price for those gifts. And, and then the length that God took him in his ascension to the throne of God to give him the authority and power to distribute those gifts appropriately and generously. When Paul reaches back to Psalm 68 and talks about these kings that, 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 that let, led captivity captive and then gave gifts unto men, what he was doing was he was pointing to, to, to an ancient uh, tradition where kings, after they won a war, would come back to their people, not just with the defeated captives, but also with the spoils of war. So they went into a village and they ransacked a village. They, they wouldn't leave the goods behind. They would take their livestock. They would take their crops. They would take their servants. And then those kings who worked so hard to win that victory would then generously and appropriately give these gifts back to their people. And in the same way, follow this church, Christ paid the price for our gifts by humbling himself in dissension. 
He purchased our gifts on the cross and then he has the authority to distribute those gifts as he sees fit because now he didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave. He ascended back up to the throne. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords and it's up to him. He has the authority for how to distribute those gifts to those in his church. Now consider with me for a moment what a gift is. A gift is something that's voluntarily given. You don't have to earn it or it wouldn't be called a gift, right? A gift is also something that is given to somebody that the giver values. In other words, come Christmas time, you will not buy every single person in your life a Christmas gift. You maybe wish you could, but you won't. You will selectively choose those that are closest to you and honestly, those that you value the most. So that means if Christ has descended to pay the price for your gift. He came all the way to earth to die so that he could gift you upon salvation and descended as low as the grave for you. You're valuable to both him and his church. If he's placed you here, you have a purpose here. Your gift from God affirms your value to Christ and Fellowship Baptist Church. Notice also that Christ gives you gifts in verse 7 according to the measure. That means just it's appropriate. The measure in which he distributes those gifts, well, that's according to however he decides to distribute them. He determines how much he wants to give. That's why at the end of verse 10 in our text, he ascended back into heaven so that he might fill all things. He has the authority to fill the church with different gifts and he distributes them accordingly. That's a lot different than how we give gifts today. You know what I mean? Like, like come Christmas time when my mom gives gifts to all the grandkids, everybody gets an equal amount. Like there's no kid that gets more than the other. So, so if Kevin gets a suitcase with his name on it, Huck's going to get a suitcase with his name on it. And Mallory's going to get one too. And all the others. And if Huck gets a tent... Leroy's getting a tent. And if they don't get the same exact gift, she's going to spend the same exact money on them, even though we'd never know. She's going to go, go to the link to make sure that she is fair in distributing those gifts. Even the adult children to this day all get the same gift. We get one Benjamin Franklin. It's a $100 bill, young people, if you've never seen that. It's a $100 bill, and we get, the guys get a bottle of clone. Every year. Now, I, I think that Kelby probably gets $200 because he's treated just above and beyond what their own blood children are treated like. So I think he's never really pulled out his money from the clone box. I think it's because she's not distributing the gifts accordingly. But the truth of the, truth of the matter is this. God doesn't give gifts like my mom gives gifts. He doesn't make sure you have an equal measure. Well, that's unfair. No, no, no. He has the authority to do that. He's God. Why didn't he give to everybody the same amount of gifts? Here's why. He knows what the church needs. He knows what will bring the church the most edification. He knows what you can handle, by the way, and what you can't handle. Now, now there's a lot of implications and applications to take away from this. I want to take a few. And, and here's the first. We should use all, not part. But all of the gift that God has given to us in ministry. Hey, the Lord has given us the exact amount of gifting to, to, that we need for this church. So don't hold anything back for yourself. This truth is also comforting because if Christ has given just the right amount of gifts to every member, no member is superior or inferior to the other. 
Christ decides who gets what and how much. So there's no need to get jealous of somebody that has a different gift or more of a gift than you. Just trust that the king of kings got it right. Trust his measurement to be accurate. Another thing for us to learn from this verse, check this out. It would be absolutely unreasonable to expect someone to serve in a manner in which they aren't gifted by God to serve. A lot of preachers won't say that because they're begging for help. I'm just going to be honest with you, based on the authority of the text, I can't expect someone to serve in a way just because we need them to serve, but they're not gifted in that area. Expecting everybody to sing in the choir would be unreasonable because not everybody can sing. And if you can't sing, I don't want you in the choir. I don't care how good you look, how much you smile. Expecting everybody to be a Sunday school teacher is unreasonable because not everybody's gifted to teach. Listen, expecting somebody to serve in a way in which they aren't gifted is like a basketball coach expecting a six-foot point guard to effectively guard a seven-foot post player. He's not gifted to do that. Which brings me to the ultimate point. If God has uniquely and specifically gifted you, you need to find that place that is just right for you to exercise your gifts. I call it a sweet spot of service. Here's what the sweet spot looks like. I want to show you this graphic. Put it up there, Brother Bryce. I had to skip some stuff. There you go. It's a combination of three things. What you're good at, what you're passionate about, and what others affirm in you. So, so where these three things converge is normally where you will find the place of your best effectiveness in the body of Christ. What you're good at, the talents God's given you. What you're passionate about, what's easy for you to do. And then what others affirm in you. Others speak in you and say, man, you're good at that. Man, that's a blessing. Where those three things converge, you can call your sweet spot in ministry. You will make the most difference where those three things converge. Now listen, you might not find your sweet spot until you simply start serving. I'm going to tell you, please do not go take a spiritual gifts test. They're inaccurate. One preacher stood up and said, I, I was convinced that, that, that those tests don't work whenever it, my wife's test scores came back and said she has the gift of celibacy. He said, she does not have that gift. Praise the Lord. Those gifts aren't right, it's the point. Y'all okay? You awkward or something? You don't think that's a part of life? We can't talk about that in the church. Hello. Read Song of Solomon tomorrow morning, you'll blush. I'm trying to tell you, don't go try to take a test. Don't try to overanalyze this thing. Because here's what I found, that, that you might not know exactly what your sweet spot is until you get after it. Go start serving. And then once you start serving, you might find, well, I need to adjust a little bit because this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And you shouldn't be made feel bad about adjusting. You can step out to go try to find a better place of effectiveness where you can better edify the body of Christ. And then I have found that some people in our ministry never thought or never dreamed about being passionate or good in a specific area. But, but, but it's as though someone pulled their arm to get involved in that area. And when they did, it's like they were shocked because that was their sweet spot after all. The point is this. Don't take a test. Don't overanalyze. Don't go look at all the lists given in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Just start serving. And when you start serving, you will fall into your sweet spot of ministry. By the way, serving is not sitting in a pew. Or a chair. Oh, I'm glad you're here. You need, you, need, you need this. I need someone to preach to. But you need to start serving. Tony Marita said this. Every member should be an eager servant who uses a towel, not an immature consumer who wears a bib. Whoa. 
I almost just plagiarized that, but I didn't want to be the bad guy. So I'm just going to say what he said. Every member should be an eager servant, not an immature consumer. In other words, we should grow up and start contributing. We should grow up and start serving. We should grow up and get involved. That's the first truth. Members are gifted for ministry. We're moving in the text. Here's the second. Members are equipped for ministry by gifted leaders. Members are equipped for ministry by gifted leaders. Look at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now look up here. This is a unique list. Because usually when Paul starts to mention spiritual gifts in the midst of the church body, he goes into this list of spiritual gifts. Uh, administration, leadership, prophecy, these, these specific gifts, mercy, help, all these gifts that he makes these lists of. Now, don't, caught up, don't get caught up in those lists. Here's why. Because they, none of them agree with each other. Okay? They're not exhaustive. That, that tells us that those, we aren't just confined to those lists. All right? There's a principle within those lists. But Paul didn't give us a list of here, here are the possible spiritual gifts for you. You know what he did? He gave us a list, of gift, a list of gifted leaders that he's given the church. And he starts with apostles and prophets. Now I need to be clear on where we stand on this theologically and doctrinally. We believe that the Bible teaches that these two leadership positions are no longer relevant in the New Testament church today. Reason we believe that, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul said this, that, that the church was established on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. They, held, they, they, were, they were gifted leaders for the church just for a season of time in which the church was starting and establishing itself. So God would gift these men prophecies and these apostles uh, with an ability to help the church get established and prove the validity of the church, the validity of the Holy Spirit, the validity of the Bible. But they didn't have the entire New Testament written at that time. They had to have men that could confirm that the Word of God was true. But now that we have the full canon of Scripture, the full New Testament in our hands, we no longer need apostles and prophets. That then leaves us with these three gifted positions in the church as far as leadership goes. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I do believe in the office of a deacon, by the way. But we're not talking about the offices. We're talking about gifts of leadership given to the church. Evangelists are gifted with the gospel. They're like the modern day missionaries today. They, they, they are gifted with this burden to take the gospel to unreached people groups. Then you got pastors. They are gifted with people. It's the shepherding aspect of leadership. Then you got teachers. They're gifted with the word. That is the preaching aspect. Now in our case, these positions at Fellowship Baptist Church are primarily made up of men in our church staff and their wives. People that God have uniquely gifted and placed into this body for the purpose of church leadership through evangelism and, and through shepherding and through teaching the word of God. Here's what I want to do for a moment. I want to ask all of our staff men and their wives to come to the platform. Would you do that? All the staff men and their wives. I want you to come to the platform. That includes uh, Brother Eli. Jenny, I want you to come too. Come on. Obey your husband. Ooh, I'm tough behind the pulpit, y'all. We get home, I'm like, what can I do for you today? <laughs> I get like this, this spirit-filled boldness comes upon me. And, no, it's not spirit-filled at all. 
The reason why I'm doing this, not because most of you don't know them. There's some on Sunday morning that might not be aware of our pastoral staff. And I want to use them kind of a, as just a visual um, lesson and illustration of what Paul's getting across. Of course, we got Eli, who, who has become our staff assistant. And we got Sid and Miranda. And we got Brother K, Miss K, and, and Taryn and Tanner, and Mike and Shelby, and Jenny. These people behind me, listen closely. I unapologetically say this on the authority of this text. They are a gift to this church. A gift to this church. I don't know who started that, but bless you. Bless you. I don't know who broke the silence. Can you raise your hand? I want to give you a tootsie roll after church. Who started the clap? That took a lot of courage. There's one person that appreciates you as a gift and all the others pretended they did. I like it. Why are they given to us? Why? Well, look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The word perfecting simply means to equip or to train. Equip for what? For work of the ministry. In other words, we on this platform exist to equip you for ministry in the church. Now, I want you to think through this because most of the time, the members of a church don't think of their spiritual leaders as that. They don't think of them as equippers. They think of them as blessers. You exist as a gift to me to bless me. But the text teaches us to think beyond just the fact that that, that we are supposed to minister to you in, in ways like sing to you and preach to you and counsel you and pray with you, though we love those aspects of our job. It actually teaches us that we are gifted to go beyond that and to equip you to be ministers. In other words, we don't exist in the church simply to minister to you. We exist for the purpose of equipping you to minister to each other. So so God's purpose for us as a staff is more than just to preach and counsel you. Listen, we're supposed to coach you and train you and perfect you and grow you and empower you to become better at using your God-given gift to minister to other people in your church. All right, so what does that mean practically for you? By the way, we had a, we had a I don't know, at least a two-hour, maybe two-and-a-half-hour session on Tuesday afternoon with the staff guys talking about our role of, be, of equipping and becoming better equippers. We're working on that. But what does this mean for you, the church? Well, if God has gifted you with these spiritual leaders to equip you for the work of the ministry, it means two things. Number one, you should appreciate them. What do we do? What do, what do we teach our kids to do after they receive a gift? Say thank you. Appreciate. We, we, we tell our little kids, go give hugs now. Write a thank you note. Hey, we shouldn't outgrow the discipline of appreciation. I think you'd agree none of these people are entitled. That's not the point. But if we are given a gift by God to help you, the natural response should be gratitude. Now, I will say this. This church is really good at this. I mean, you do appreciate your ministry staff. Truly. You you recognize how blessed we are as a church that God has gifted us with them I want you to keep that up. I want you to write them thank you notes and send them text messages and shake their hands and give them a hug and encourage them and love on their kids. They are a gift to you. They're a gift to your family. 
And as you know, October is Appreciate Everything Month, right? And somebody threw clergy in there. And frankly, this is one of the things that, that I find in, as a pastor of just a, a few weeks now, I love to do. It, when I say that, it, it's not forced. It's something I'm very passionate about, appreciating those that help me equip you in the ministry. Like, I live to do that, and you, you, I just need to find an excuse to do it. We took them on a staff retreat uh, last month. That just shows that the church appreciates them willing to let us go on a staff retreat. And we don't go to Tyrone, Oklahoma. We go to Branson, Missouri. And I will never apologize for that, ever apologize for that. I not only spend a few hours sharing my vision with them for the next year, but you know what that, you know what that, that trip is really about? Saying thank you. That's what it's about. It's about, it's about we, we bring two babysitters to watch their kids and, 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 and we feed them good and, and we just relax and we refresh. And it's a, it's a way of, of Jenny and I and our church saying, thank you for what you do. I appreciate you, but I, I don't need an excuse to do that more. And since it's clergy appreciation month, I thought I would do that. Um, so I, I want to give them each a gift card where they can go bowl or eat at Billy's uh, with their family as a way of just showing you that appreciation is tangible. Do you hear me? It's tangible. It's a tangible word. It's tangible effort. It's tangible sacrifice. It's not a thought. Okay, it is action, and I want to encourage you to do that. So here you go, Tanner and Taryn, and Sid and Miranda, Brother Kay, Miss Kay, Brother Mike and Shelby, and Eli. And to the queen equipper of them all, you think I forgot? You want to leave her out? I've, I've got two things for her because she's dynamite. Hold on a second. Oh, man. Here we go. I got, I got her a gift card for coffee because that's her love language. She bleeds coffee. And I, and I got her a thing of flowers. She's the queen equipper. Amen. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Thank you for, for coming up here. Hey, I borrowed that vase from the fellowship hall. You'll need to take that back after. I couldn't find anything else. I took some, some paper scissors this morning and started clipping those vines. I didn't know how to do it. I just threw them in there, baby. They'll, hey, listen, the flowers will die in a couple days, but the love will never die. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate your church leaders. But if God has given them to you as a gift, here's the second thing, okay? They're given as a gift to equip you. Now I'm going to make up a word. And the reason I know it's made up is because it had a red squiggly under it when I typed it out. <laughs> If they are a gift to equip you, be equipable. I'm told it's not a word. So throw it in the dictionary. Equipable. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because if a coach is going to successfully coach his players, then they're going to have to be coachable. And if a teacher is going to be able to teach her students, they're going to have to be teachable. And if an equipper is going to equip their members, the members have to be, well, equipable. What does that mean? It means that you should be open and welcoming to any of the spiritual leaders in this church that were on this platform that desire to develop your gifts for more effective ministry. If a spiritual leader uh, feels it necessary to maybe move you around in ministry in order to better leverage your giftedness 
or to use your giftedness in an area of greater need. Hey, go with it. Don't be territorial. Don't be possessive. Don't be hurt. Be flexible and see their decision to rearrange you as a gift from God to make you a better minister for edifying the church. If a spiritual leader feels it necessary to equip you by way of accountability, that means they have a hard conversation about why you haven't been committed to your ministry or, or they talk to you about how you can improve in your ministry in the area of being punctual or more enthusiastic or by showing more initiative. Hey, receive that accountability as a gift from God to make you a better minister. If a spiritual leader provides a time of training in your area of ministry, go to it. Be a part of it. And if that training invites or, or introduces some new ideas, some new approaches to ministry, or even challenges the way you've always done it for years, receive that training with humility and enthusiasm and with a teachable spirit, ready to implement whatever God has laid on the heart of the ministry leader because it's a gift from God to make you better. I can say this, when you reject their attempts to equip you, you're actually rejecting God's gift to you. And who would say no? To a gift God has given you. One in which Christ has died to give you. The first truth is that members are given a gift for ministry. The second truth is that members are equipped for ministry by gifted leaders and we're thankful for them. Here's the third and final truth. Members minister for the purpose of edification. Look at the last part of verse 12. Here's why we perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Till we all come. In the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here's why you serve in the church to build up others, to edify others, to strengthen others, to mature others, to help others grow under the full stature, it says, or the, or the measure of the stature, under the fullness of Christ. We'll never uh, attain that goal in life, but all of us are in this process of sanctification, of growth, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And we must have each other ministering to each other in order to reach that goal. That tells me, church, listen, ministry isn't about you. It's about other people. You see, I've, I've heard people teach and preach and even talk about their spiritual gift, like finding their spiritual gift and their sweet spots all about them. I, I got to find my, my area of ministry so I'm happy. Well, there is something to be said about feeling fulfilled when you find your sweet spot. It's awesome. But I don't want you to find your sweet spot of service so you can be happy. Primarily, I want you to find your sweet spot of service so that you can be most effective in edifying other people. If you're not in your sweet spot then you are not edifying people in the most effective way possible. It's not about you. It's about other people. And how sweet it is, isn't it, Brother Mike? Whenever we are able to watch people, number one, use their gift for God. Number two, let the spiritual leaders equip them and do it for the right purpose. It's like, man, it's amazing to watch, isn't it? It's like you can just tell when someone's in their sweet spot and they're doing it for edification. It's awesome. I think of a couple ladies in our church and they, they don't have an organized ministry. There's not a label on this ministry. We didn't start this ministry. They do it on their own. Miss Teresa Hoover, Teresa Hoover and Miss Diane Puthers. It's a very behind the scenes ministry, which, which by the way tells me this, that your sweet spot might not be under the label of an official ministry. You need to take, you need, you need, you need to hear that. That, 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 that just because your spiritual gift maybe doesn't fall into the line of something we've actually organized as a pastoral staff doesn't mean that you're not using your gift to edify the body. Some of you aren't taking that well because that hasn't been really a part of our, spirit, our church culture, quite honestly. You've you got to fall under the umbrella of what we make possible for you. 
But that's, that's not always the case. We don't have a thank you note writing ministry. But they write thank you notes and encouraging notes every week to people that are sick. You might have received some of those notes. People that, that, that are a blessing through song and, and a blessing through testimony and a blessing through service and through preaching. We don't have an administrative ministry for that, but th- that is their gift. That is their sweet spot. They are maturing and edifying the body through doing that. There are ladies who, who, who prepare meals for funerals. And, and as people are grieving and, and all of that, they prepare a meal for that family. There are other ladies that, that might not do it in that organized way, but, but, but I've had ladies call me already in my eight weeks of being a pastor saying, I heard so-and-so is sick, can I take them a meal? That's using your giftedness to edify the body of Christ. I, I think of two ladies that have been teaching the pre-K Sunday school class for years and years, Simona Farrow and Teresa Troutner. And boy, if you don't know it, they have found their sweet spot in that class. They, they, they have taught three and four generations of Fellowship Baptist Church. And they don't just teach them on Sunday mornings. They do activities outside of the Sunday school class. They take them to McDonald's, man. They're edifying them through chicken nuggets. <laughs> they edify their parents because they love on those parents' kids. You see, there's a group of people that you never see unless they mess up. It's the sound crew and the media crew. Brother Rob, Grandbrother Steve Benson, man, you don't hear a lot from them, but they've found their sweet spot back there. Yeah, go to a church that doesn't have a good sound crew. You'll notice real quick that it is a gift. We don't just throw people back there that just say, you know what, I kind of like turning knobs and feeling important. (laughs) You aren't the guy for the job then. But those guys have found their sweet spot. They don't need attention. They just want the ministry to go smooth. Miss Tammy Potts and her crew in the media, they don't need attention. They, they want to work behind the scenes, but, but they build others up. I think of Liz Dewar sitting right back there who runs our K-Cafe. Man, she's found her niche in ministry. And believe, believe it or not, you know, like making espresso for people is a way of edifying them, believe me. Especially on Sunday afternoons after choir practice. There are those in the music ministry that absolutely love to edify through music. Those who serve in the nursery, in the children and youth ministries, uh, serve as ushers, treasurers, greeters, security, team ministry, deacon ministry, Sunday school teachers, and so many more. Whether it's an organized ministry that we've labeled and we administrate, or it's something that, that, that you do for, for another brother or sister behind the scenes, find your sweet spot and serve there. Because here's the point, when every member serves, every member grows. I want you to take that home with you today. When every member serves, every member grows. And then Paul really, really brings that home in the last couple verses of the text and we'll be done. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now look up here because I want to tie this into the context. Watch. Paul is thinking about Gentile believers in Ephesus. They were young believers, not mature believers. They were saved out of life of paganism. They didn't grow up in church. They didn't go to a Christian school. They needed the edification of other believers around them in ministry to stabilize them in sound doctrine. They would have been prone to be very unstable in their Christian walk had it not been for mature believers in Ephesus who came alongside of them, used their gifts to minister to them, spoke the truth to them in love, and helped them grow. 
That's why using your gift in ministry is so important for both the new believer, new member, and the mature believer, an established member for the mature believer. You have an opportunity through minister, to, to, through, through your ministry to really strengthen and, and, and stabilize the spiritual walk of a younger Christian as you minister to them and even alongside of them. I, I, I think of people in our choir that have been singing in there for years and years and years and come every Sunday afternoon for practice, every Wednesday night after church for, for practice, and, and sometimes a new member comes in or a new believer comes in and they have the gift of music and they come and they begin to use that gift for the Lord. They're nervous and they don't quite understand all the music and they don't understand all, all, all the, the, the verbiage that I use as the director. And I love to see a mature, established choir member use their gifts and speak the truth a little bit to them in love along the way and stabilize them in that ministry. And that's what you get to do, mature believer. But for the new believer or the new member, you need to get involved in ministry so that you can rub shoulders with other mature church members. When somebody says, Brother Tyler, I just can't get connected at Fellowship Baptist Church. My first thought is this. Are you coming three services a week? And my second thought is this. Are you serving in a ministry? Because when you serve in a ministry, you, you get to rub shoulders with other people, other lay women and lay men. And in that process, you are stabilized in this body. You are growing and you are maturing. And then look at how Paul closes the text. Verse 16, put it up there. From whom the whole body, he's talking about Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working, the measure of every part maketh increase of the body and the edifying of itself in love. You know what Paul did? He just summed up everything I just told you. He says the head of the church is, is Christ. And he has purposely gifted limbs and legs and eyes and ears and noses of the body of the church. And when all those members are serving and every member is a minister, then he says there's a lot of increase of growth and strength and edification. In other words, because everybody is somebody in the body, everybody should be doing something for the body. As I close, I want to make a few application statements. We'll have our invitation to be done. I don't want to preach this message and it just be theory. I want to tell you how, how, how we can kind of put meat to the bones today. Number one, I feel obligated to say this. Thank you to all those that are ministers in Fellowship Baptist Church. Thank you. We have an unusual amount, percentage-wise, of ministers that don't just sit, but serve. That don't just consume, but they contribute. That don't just spectate, they participate. I'm telling you, we have an un, uncanny number, comparatively speaking, to other Baptist churches. And for that, I want to say a big thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Number two, let me say this. You've noticed that every point that I shared this morning starts with the word members. If you're coming to our church, please listen. If you're being edified by our church, but you're not yet a member of our church, can I encourage you to become a member of what our pastor said for years was the good ship fellowship? Yeah. You know, at some point God expects you to commit to a body of believers and start serving that body. I'd love to sit down and talk with you about how you can do that. I would love that. If you're a member of the church, though, can I ask you this? Are you sitting or are you serving? Have you found your sweet spot in ministry? If not, I'd like to talk to you about that. Try to get you plugged in and then adjust you accordingly. If you're a member and you are serving, are you allowing the spiritual leaders that God has gifted you with to equip you to improve in ministry? Or have you kind of, listen closely, have you kind of settled into how you've always done it? 
and you're kind of a maverick about how you do ministry. I wish all of our church could hear this right now. Because we, we have been gifted with a lot of people that serve and a lot of people that have been serving and doing the same thing for a long time. So when new ideas are introduced or a new method is introduced, like any church, we have mavericks that say, okay, I'll, I'll nod my head like this, but I'll show up exactly how I've been showing up for the last 15 years. Okay, I'll nod my head, but I will continue to teach the lesson exactly how I've taught it forever. Are you with me? If that's you, you don't have the spirit that you need to have. And then can I ask you this? Are you serving for the right purpose? I'm talking about for edification of the body. Or are you just serving to check off a box? Every member a minister. Now, I know I've been a little bit long because of the thing I did with the staff. But everything I said is important today. Our church needs this. Our church needs this. I said our church needs this. And whatever point that you fall under in this message where the Holy Spirit spoke to you, I want you to respond to him this morning. If you need to just thank God for the leaders that he's given you, do, do that. If you need to calibrate your purpose and quit doing it just because you have to, but do it because you want to edify, do it. If you need to join the church, I'd love to pray with you right now about that. I'd love to set up a time in the foyer where I can talk to you this week. If, if, if you need to, to, to get involved in a ministry, come talk to me. Seek out Brother Mike. Let us talk to you about finding your sweet spot. We'd love to go through that process with you. Would you stand to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed?